We need therapy. We need therapy. Welcome to the Retail Therapy Sessions. Welcome, Irish. Hi, sorry I'm late again. So it's, it's an annual tradition. Well, you know, Blaine Tag called it. I'm like, where's Irish at? He goes, did he know there was a time change? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So, Blaine so, Tag probably doesn't remember. I, I did that my first day. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's, let's, let's talk business. Um, what would y'all like to talk about as far as our retail jobs go? It can be good. It can be bad. I don't care. I'm up for whatever. And I'm bad at making decisions. So if someone else decides. <laughs> nice. So real quick, how long have you been in retail, Cranky? Uh, well, all jobs I've had have technically been customer service, but I worked at a women's clothing store for probably three or four years. And then I was a stay-at-home mom for five-ish years. And then I've been on and off for the last six years. Okay. And blank tag, how long have you been in total? Oh, man, since I was old enough to work. So like 25 years, um, seven-ish in retail, but you know the rest is all customer service. Yeah, at this point, customers, any customer facing job counts. I mean, it really does. It yeah, so like 25 years then. Yeah. Uh, a well, say. you know, including what I'm doing now, 30 plus, you know, 26 ish as a store manager. So, yeah, a lot. Irish, you? Uh, 21. 21. So, between us, <laughs> we have what? You know, roughly 85 plus years of total retail customer service experience amongst us. So that's a, that's a frightening thing, actually, if you think about it. So, so uh, let's talk about, and, and I'm curious, you know, especially from Irish and Cranky. All right, so inflation is the big buzzword right now. And, you know, price is going up. What are you two seeing in your areas as far as price increases on, like, groceries and things like that and if, if you can kind of give a comparison like how much a certain item was before and it is now well groceries is the biggest thing that's going up right now like um i don't work at a grocery store i work at it's more of a department store if i describe it too much people know where i work so don't I'm, not, do that. I'm gonna kind of because there's not that many uh big box stores in canada um but uh, groceries, I mean, they keep doing articles and articles and articles about it in the news because it just keeps going up and up and up. And part of that is because we have to import so much, like fruits and vegetables and that kind of stuff. Like they grow out, you know, on the BC coast and we get potatoes from the East Coast. But I mean, like the fruits and all that kind of stuff, we pretty much all have to import Um Milk is going up because also we refuse to take milk from any other countries. We've made laws so that it stays within our own country. Um, and that's expensive. Like, I think uh, a gallon of 2% is now, I think it's over $5 now. Five oh five, five seventeen. Um, and uh, it used to be four sixty five in just like a couple months ago. Um, so the dairy prices are skyrocketing. Um, but at the same time, some of that is because we have stricter laws on how we raise our animals here and uh, what we can put in them for hormones and growth stuff. Um, 
So yeah, that's expensive, especially since we have a two-year-old who seems to go through a gallon every couple of days. Yeah. Um, but I do a lot of the price changes at work, and yeah, Corp is upping the prices. I was doing some because we also we do in-store pricing and stuff. We can do that because we're a type of franchise, and um, I've been going through and changing some because the cost has been going up. Uh, they can. What was I looking at the other day? And in the past two years, it was it went up probably thirty dollars since we start. We were buying it in twenty twenty. Um, the actual cost of what the owner paid. Um, so, and that's just general things like tools and uh, some of the treadmills and stuff went up two or three hundred bucks a piece. So, like the businesses are seeing a bit of a price increase, but I don't know that it's as much to justify what they're pricing things at at the moment um so like i can still make 30 or 40 points even putting something on sale for two or three hundred dollars less than the corp price so wow iris what you got going on over there uh the biggest one at the moment is fuel so uh you know petroleum-based products basically so gas in your tank heating your home um that's nearly doubled so um uh, it's roughly, it's a little over $7 American per gallon for a gas tank. Um, so there's that, uh, and obviously that has a knock-on effect for, for everything because everything gets delivered to a store. So gradually prices are going to start to increase because of that. Uh, in groceries, there's been nothing dramatic uh, just yet, but it's going to it's gonna creep in. Um over the next uh, month or two. Um, and as well as that, we have another shock to the system because we were about to take in perhaps close to 100,000 refugees from Ukraine. So as a proportion of our population, that's about 2%. So that's, about, that's the same as like you guys taking in 6 million people. So that's going to put pressure on every service that we have. Uh, we are already in a bit of a crisis when it comes to... Um, you know, housing as it is. So it's it's just going to, it's going to have a knock on effect on everything, you know? So in, inflation across the board. Uh, blame tag, what you seeing down South? Uh Oh, maybe he's on mute. Is he? Yes. I'm in trouble with my mute. Uh Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know like my store in particular has been like 25 to 30% on all products. Increase. Increase. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Wow. Well, I can tell you in my neck of the woods since I work grocery. Um, yeah, the prices are going up. But the biggest thing that we've had going on for so long is with when when the pandemic hit, you know, in the United States, COVID ran through like the chicken plants, basically. Mm. And, you know, one of the hardest things to keep in stock and get is chicken. And we get most of our chicken from Tyson. And so we've had a shortage of that. Now, as far as milk prices, you know, we're competitive. You know, we, we our managers go out and check like Walmart and stuff like that. And, and like some of your staples, they make sure no matter for what the profit margins that they're lower than Walmart. But I hear employees talking about how the prices have went up. I just really, you know, for the stuff that I purchased, I just really haven't seen it being as bad as some people are making out to be. And, you know, it's, and I'm hearing complaints mostly from older folks, 
And obviously, you know, when you get people here in the States who are, you know, relying on like social security and stuff like that, every dollar counts. So they're going to be the ones that are really, really cognizant to whether it goes up five cents or whatnot. But, you know, most of the complaints seem to be coming from like brand name merchandise. And that's where I kind of feel like, and even I am in some instances where we're all a little bougie and we won't buy like the store brand, but a lot of the store brand stuff that we sell is made by major manufacturers anyway. And it's, I mean, like what really is going to be the difference between like a store brand rice crispy and like rice krispies? I mean, it's puffed rice. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, that big a deal. Um, but you know, there's like obviously, you know, differences in like Mac and cheese and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of complaints, but you know, I've got, you know, cranky, you were talking about, going through milk i've got a 14 year old and a 13 year old and they act like they don't ever get to eat so you know we're buying food constantly for those two and it's not really any more expensive than i mean maybe total maybe there's an extra five to ten dollars on the total order but nothing as rage inducing as people are making it out to be now gas yes gas is going up everywhere um ours here yeah ours here is like i think it's like four we just crossed over four um whereas on the west coast it's like damn near eight dollars an hour yeah we're at like four here yeah um what what about your groceries down there blame tag are you seeing any big difference there uh no i mean i was gonna make uh specify that yeah i kind of sell I guess you call them consumer goods. I work in the cookware section of a store, so it's not really anything essential. So, you know, uh, groceries, I don't think, have been that bad. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, uh, you know, every now and then you'll see blurbs, you know, come through. I know that, you know, the federal government are investigating businesses and, and they're wanting proof that the prices going up are because of the supply chain issues. I don't know if we'll ever see a conclusion of that, but I've, you know, when you start looking at companies that are raising prices and you start looking at their profitability, it's like, what are y'all doing? I mean, and I'm, I, I get caught, you know, supply and demand and all that other stuff, but I, I still have a hard time being like, you know, what's the difference between a tree now and a tree 30 years ago? Wood still wood, you know? It's, it's like, you know, there hasn't been some great innovation in like, chickens laying eggs i mean why you know why did it cost the same way back then you know or way less and now it's so much more when nothing's really changed other than profit margins well i think with the wood at least for the u.s i know there's been there was a whole thing with trump and our government because we send a lot a lot of softwood uh down to the u.s and there was a big fight between them i guess about it there was some tariffs and sanctions and whatnot so it ended up throwing your guys's prices way up because we quit supplying as much so it just that's just what it ended up like some of that stuff is i think because the governments are starting to fight each other over what people owe because i even the milk thing like there's a people were upset because they didn't want to let us start bringing in stuff from the u.s but like i said that's partly because we have stricter laws on some of our food consumption and whatnot and things that are different allowed. And we just didn't want to let that stuff come up to us. Plus we wanted to make sure that our dairy farmers were still supported rather than, 
well, we get all this cheap stuff from the states, and then it ends up pushing out our economy, which is what happened with the gasoline. Because we have we have oil reserves up the wazoo in Alberta and Saskatchewan, and they just decided to, uh, in the 80s, I think. 70s must have been the 70s because it was Trudeau Senior who was like, oh, we'll pay world prices and we'll import it from other places instead of you know that virtue signaling of like we don't want pipelines and all that stuff to mess up our country. We won't dig for it ourselves because we want it to look clean and pretty, but we'll import it from other places where we don't have to see the damage it might do to the environment. So our gas prices jump even though we have enough to supply our own country just because we've decided to trade on the world stage or whatever. You know, I know there's a, a lot of arguments about, you know, isolationism, but it's, you know, you got to wonder at what point do countries start becoming or trying to become self-reliant. And, you know, in the aspect of like, you know, modern staples, I mean, you're looking at all the mess that's going on in Ukraine and Russia being the largest exporter of wheat. There's been fantastic advances in like, you know, raising food and things like that, whether, you know, it's large, basically large, uh, what are those things called? Um, I've done lost a word, uh, but, you know, there's ways to do it in-house. And the one thing that I've noticed is like, there's like, especially here in the States, uh, you know, Blaine Tag, I think you would probably agree there's seemingly an upcharge for anything that's manufactured here. You know, just, just you know, it's like an upcharge just to say that it's American made. And, you know, I, I like to use my time at Guitar Center to kind of give good examples of this because you have, you know, basically import guitars and you have American made guitars. And you have these come across, you know, all the time. And you get to a point where you're seeing an American guitar that, you know, is quote unquote, you know, hand built, you don't see any kind of increase in quality over the ones that are coming from overseas that are made with machines. And you're paying anywhere from, you know, sometimes 50% more just because it says made in USA, but the quality's not there. Who's buzzing in and out? Is that you, Blame Tag? I mean, I've been having some issues with my Skype. I don't know. Was it making a noise? <laughs> well, yeah, it was going like, and. And, but it might be just like noise filter in a microphone or something. So well, let's talk a little bit about the tweet about management. I know you saw it, Cranky. You know, talking about which one? The, the, the one where, you know, upon my reflection of being out of the business. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen that one, Irish, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about how we're trained as managers to be you know, or supervisors, key carriers, how to be punitive instead of like uplifting and, and, and treating people good and, you know, developing them because the whole kind of theme of the thread was the fact that you're taught, at least I was, you know, as you're coming up as a manager, you know, there's not really an emphasis on people building or team building. Everything you're really kind of taught is supposed to be punitive to get quote unquote bad people out the door and you know we're taught about paper trails we're taught about you know pips we're talking about you know performance evaluations and how to use them in a negative way to get rid of people 
even still today with the labor market as it is, that's still going on. So anything you guys got that you've done or seen that kind of lends credence to that or your own experiences, fire away. I mean, like um, 100% of what I learned as a manager working for the theater companies, it was geared towards, you know, like you said, punishing people, pushing the people you don't want out the door. I remember um, the manager who was like one step above me, like, you know, kind of my direct supervisor would, you know, I was in charge of doing the employee schedule. And he would always say is like, this is the employee schedule is where you can hurt the people that we don't want. And you can use that to kind of push them into the shifts that they don't want to get them to leave voluntarily. And I always thought that was fucked up like that. You're going to use someone's schedule to basically hurt them because you don't like them. Yep. Yeah. And like, really, no one was that bad where you had to push them out the door like that. Like it was it was all personal almost 100 percent of the time. Yeah, that's See, and I, I, I was told like, oh, just give them one shift a week or one shift every couple of weeks. But I'll also say the the few people that we ever actually use that for were really just they just wander around because, I mean, there are still bad employees like, you know, people who just don't really do anything. I mean, I had to tell a 40 year old man to get off his phone the other day and go put it in his locker. And like there's a big sign coming down the stairs and he's hiding back there while the other guy's doing all the work. Like, come on, dude. Um, But even then, like, I don't usually write people up for the first offense. Like I tell you, and if you do it again, like, I know technically, you know, and so it should be, but whatever. Um, And I can't even stand this guy. He's kind of creepy, to be honest. But, you know, I'm not going to write you up the first time I catch it. Second time, we're going to have a talk and, you know, there's probably going to be a verbal warning or whatever. But, yeah, I I don't like pushing people out because you want people to work for you, right? You want them to come to work and to enjoy it because the more they enjoy coming to work, the better they work in general. Obviously, again, you have those people who just kind of want to show up and hold up a wall for a paycheck and fortunately unfortunately we've had a few of those that we had hired for our warehouse and it's just like what are you doing (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah like i don't know what it's like there but at least where we are here you have a three-month probationary period and that's just law and they can leave without notice and we can fire them and we don't have to tell them why Um, within that three months so usually it gives you a good time to feel out if this person is going to be a good worker or not or if they're always calling in or whatever it gives you an easy without having to go into it and explain it but once you're past that that's where you have to have either it has to be something egregious or you know just you have to have three it's like a three strikes and you're out type system and I always hated doing like the write-ups and stuff and that was what my first GM, the guy who mentored me, and I still actually, him and I still chat a lot when I need help or support or ideas for something. And that was kind of his thing too. Like, let's not write people up. Let's try and work with them and coach them and see. And then eventually when it gets to a point where we have been putting the work in, because a lot of, I mean, you you guys all work retail, half the time you're just thrown in there and you get like either your e-training from online or, you know, 10 minutes with someone to show you what you're doing and then you figure it out on your own. When we're saying someone's a bad worker, is that actually a failure on their part or is that a failure on our part because we didn't show them how to do anything properly? Like, sure, you can get frustrated with them for not knowing what they're doing, but you've worked there for six years. They've worked there for three weeks. Whose failure is that? you know, that kind of thing. And that's, that's my philosophy. And that was my mentor's philosophy. And then last year when ownership changed, they got a new general manager and his was write everybody up, 
you know, tear everybody down so they quit. Actually, the whole Justice for Evan thing, I've struggled to watch some because it hit a little too close to home because I did end up driving someone to the hospital because they they came up at work and they said that they were going to they were going to do something. Sorry. Like just sitting with him. Yeah. Just sitting with him in there was just really hard. And I, I went to work the next day and I left about four hours in and like the GM was like, Oh, well, why? I was like, uh, because I didn't sleep last night because all I could think of was what if he didn't come tell me? And I walked out and I found him because he was going to do it in the workplace because it was an overnight shift and And I was leaving late. And see, that kind of goes along with what I, what, you know, I was, one of the reasons I enjoy your takes on things is because, you know, the comment you made about who's really the failure here. That's important because if you're not giving them all the tools to succeed, you can blame them all you want, but it's still your fault, you know, and the, the whole thing, you know, like with the justice for Evan stuff is I've got people, we all do you know, in in our lives that, you know, come from the kind of cloth that's cut, oh, just toughen up, deal with it. It's not that big a deal, blah, blah, blah. But everybody's built different. And when you're in these management situations and you're like, my DMs would be like, you need to get rid of this person. They're terrible or whatnot. You don't know what these people's lives are. You don't know what's going on on the outside. You know, maybe they're not the greatest employee, and it's kind of like I, you know, I commented, you know, find what your people are good at and let them be good at it, because I don't think the business, you know, takes enough care in saying, okay, you've got this person, they're working in a warehouse and they suck at it. Let's get rid of them. Well, let's try them somewhere else and see if if they can do something and they can be happy with it. And where the business is too quick to be like, get out, write them up, get them out, and you don't know what kind of mental anguish that's putting them through. You know, I I cruise Reddit, you know, a lot, you know, looking at like work reform and anti-work and all that stuff. And I posted the link this morning. You got another person from Kroger, you know, talking about their mental health and trying to quote unquote self-harm to get through it. And there's Kroger again. I mean, it's, it's a toxic culture, you know, that these are people are fragile. I mean, and we're in an extremely fragile time frame right now, and I just don't understand why, looking back on everything I've done, why there was such an emphasis on paper trail somebody out the door. You know, you've already invested all this time to get them, and, and you're 100% correct. There, there are employees that just suck. I mean, we know that. There's <laughs> lazy people that are there just to collect a paycheck, and yeah, those need to go. <laughs> But there's a lot of people that might be on the fence. Maybe they feel like they haven't been properly trained. Maybe they feel out of place. Maybe they took a job just because they needed the job, but they're in the wrong department or the wrong position. That, you know, my DMs be like, oh, that person sucks. Ride them up, get them out the door. Like you said, cut the schedule. Give them one day a week, five hours. That'll teach them. Well, if they were getting 15 hours a week or 30 hours a week or whatnot, they needed that money, obviously. And now, not only are you being just punitive, you're you're taking money out of their pocket. You don't know what they need that money for. Maybe they got kids at home. You know, it's 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 just awful. Iris, you got anything on that? Yeah, just to say that I've never known a situation where that worked. Uh, you know, th- th- this thing of like teaching them a lesson by cutting hours or or, or using the the stick and not the carrot. 
Um, I've never known that to turn an employee into a better employee. Over here, it's very similar, legally speaking, to Cranky. Uh, we also have a three-month probationary period where basically you can be let go because we don't like your haircut. But after that, they their, their kind of employment rights kind of kick in and it can be quite difficult. So most of the terminations would happen within the first three months here. Um, but, you know... It's a very, very old school mentality uh, over here. The companies that kind of use that punitively would be the, it's usually based on uh, internal kind of relationships and uh, and company loyalty. You know who, who the favorites are uh, and who the manager you know likes over somebody else. If you're not in a little niche, you know, kind of a clique or a group, um, you, you, you might be at the receiving end uh, of your hours being cut. But I, I've never known it to work. I have, I have in the past, you know, a bit like yourselves, you know, I've been told you got to, you know, get rid of this person or cut hours. And sometimes your hands are tied because, you know, it could be a very senior person telling you to do it and you just got to fucking figure out a way. But most of the time, I, I really value the team. And I, I know that if I can, you know, and it's more often than not when I change their, it could be the, their department or maybe their schedule, you know, or whatever. They actually, they kind of turn around and it, it, it ends up, um, you get a lot more out of them. Whereas if I was to just write them up for every time that they, you know, you know, looked at their watch more than once in an hour, uh, it, it just turns them against you and they become, you know, they, they will undermine you at every opportunity. So in my opinion, it's, a, it's an old school mentality. It belongs buried in history. Uh, I think there's much better ways of getting... Uh, things out of people, including being empathetic. Yes. Uh, I used to have a, a manager that I worked with at Guitar Center. His his favorite quote was, no man left behind. And what he meant by that was, you know, kind of like what we're talking about. Maybe he was a terrible salesperson. Okay. Let's put him in operations, put him in the warehouse, see if he likes that. Well, didn't work out there. Okay. Let's try them, you know, running the front door, checking serial numbers. You know, exhaust all options before you get rid of somebody. Because they can be of use to you somewhere. You're failing as a manager at that point if you're not at least trying. You know, it, it, we know there's a cost attached to bringing these people in. So, you know, try to work it out. I mean, people, some people come into these jobs, they don't come into these jobs trying to suck. I mean, yes, there are some that, that you know, don't want to work. I get that. But, you know, I don't think anybody legitimately comes takes a job, agrees to a, a crappy schedule and whatnot to to do poorly. And, you know, I think that I'll never forget um, when I started turning the corner into being not one of the cool kids anymore was going into a store that, and I'll talk about this when we do the fixer episode, but taking over a store that had been in the floor forever and whatnot and being told, First order of business, I want you to get rid of the entire staff. This has been the Retail Therapy Sessions. Make sure to check out the Retail Warzone podcast as well. And if you like what we do, please leave a review and share with your friends. Thanks for listening.